Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast, our last preseason episode. Matthew Miranda joined, as always, by Stacey Patton. The Knicks open their season on Wednesday against the Memphis Grizzlies. The NBA opens the season tomorrow night with four non-Nick teams playing. Um, so today we're going to look a little bit around the league, um, see what kind of stories are standing out from each division, maybe do a couple predictions if we feel like it, certainly talk about um, where we think of the Knicks now with the preseason behind them, because I know that my feelings have evolved as this preseason has gone on. Um, before we get started, so I had a really bizarre, almost perfect sports weekend where you know the Knicks played on Friday and they won. Um, the Jets and Giants improbably just continue to roll. Uh, the only thing oddly that went off in my sports weekend was Man City, who's easily my best team, losing um, one nothing to Liverpool. But every weekend now, I take—I usually don't care about college football much, but I always take notice of Michigan now because Stacy in a very <laughs> in a very understated way, um, Stacy's a big Michigan fan. Understated, I appreciate. I appreciate. <laughs> and so I've been tracking them, and and I remember. Um, like early in the year, didn't they play Connecticut? Yeah, they played. Yeah. I, that is, uh, I am. I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, most of my friends went to UConn. My sister went to UConn. So yeah, they played Connecticut. Yeah, but, so they played Connecticut, and I was going to. If it was women's Michigan. basketball, I would have been a lot less happy with the result. <laughs> I was going to bring it up to Stacy because I saw that. Um, I think the last line I saw, Michigan was favored by like. 49 or 50 points and that only happens in college football and whenever i see that line i'm always like oh you got to take the underdog like because it's just it's so hard like it's it's when you think about it in an abstract sense any team in college that can field a football team you assume you know you can't you can't bet on them to lose and then i think michigan won by like 56 or something um so what I'm very curious about is I notice every week Michigan keeps on winning, Alabama loses to Tennessee. Stacey, is it possible that your Michigan Wolverines could be national title winners by the end of this season? Uh, I'm not willing to go that far yet. Um, they're really good. Um, Are they number I mean, three? Uh, they're number three in one poll, number four in another Okay. Um, I mean, I came to so to give you a background. This is a Knicks podcast. I'm going to stay too long, but I went. I enrolled in Ann Arbor from the East Coast in 2007. My first week of college, I get there and classes haven't started, and so of course, you know, if you get there on Wednesday and you don't have class until the following Tuesday, right after Labor Day. You know, a bunch of 18-year-olds who are away from their parents for the first time, you know that we all just got into libraries and started studying, right? Um, that, that's actually not what happened. I had a great week, um, and it was amazing. And then Saturday morning, I remember Michigan was playing a team called Appalachian State, and I told my friends, ah, maybe I should sell my ticket. You know, um, you know it's probably going to be a blowout. 
<laughs> and I wish I sold my ticket, but not because Michigan blew Appalachian State out. It's because Michigan, coming off a year where they were ranked as high as number two in the country, lost a thriller to Ohio State that knocked them out of the championship race. Um, they lost Appalachian State. Uh, and since then, Michigan has just been dominated in by Ohio State. They just have been... Um, I don't know if there's a good NBA analog. Um, I guess what the Lakers... No, you can't even say the Lakers. Um, I don't know. But um, the last year they beat Ohio State. And this year... I mean, there's a... I could do a whole pod on like what's changed with the program. Um, kind of the redemption of Jim Harbaugh. Um, the guy says some stupid shit. But, um, but like how he came back from how low they were a couple of years ago is, um, you know, there's some inspiration to take from that. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun. And, and I'm an Eagles fan. Sorry, Matt. I, I presume you have some Giants sympathies. I have Jets and Giants sympathies. I have Jets sympathies because they're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're benign to me. Um, the one time I've gone to a Jets game, it was against Philly. And the, I remember it? that year because the Eagles were actually good, but played two good teams. And the Jets were the Jets and they were 2-0. Mm-hmm. All these Jets fans were talking shit to me. And the Eagles were 0-2. And then when the game happened, the game happened. And it was more fun for me. But I like Jets fans. <laughs> um, but, um, but, like, yeah, I haven't seen... Um, haven't seen either of my football teams lose so far, so that's been fun. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only I've never seen the Giants in person. I've seen the Jets play twice in Buffalo. Um, once was when Parcells was there, and the Jets won in Buffalo to clinch like their first division title since I think like the seventies, and that was like awesome. And then, and this is one of like my most like clear visceral memories of childhood in like when I was about 13 um, this guy who lived behind us had season tickets to the bills we lived like about two hours away from Buffalo at the time maybe like an hour and a half but two hours from the stadium because it's west of the city so he gives my dad two tickets when the Jets come to town and I'm all excited I've never been to a football game Um, and the day of the game is the coldest day in Western New York in like 40 years. Like with the wind chill, it was like minus 40. And I remember my dad and me, like we put on all these extra socks and I put on my good boots and I think I wore like thermal underwear and two pairs of sweatpants and maybe two coats, like bundled up as absolutely much as you could and still like walk as a human being. And I remember we drove all the way to Rich Stadium. These are the Bruce Coslett Jets. This is not a great time in Jet. Most of them aren't. This was not a good one. The Jets lost by two points in a game where they missed three field goals. It was so cold that my dad and I, we left the game at some point in the fourth because, like, it was, it hurt. Like, it hurt to be cold. As we're driving home. As, as we're driving home, we hear the Jets miss the last field goal. So we feel a little better that, like, we didn't sit through it. I could not feel my toes until we pulled into the driveway of our house, like, two hours later. And to have all that happen and have the Jets lose by two <laughs> when they <laughs> miss three field goals is, like, 
the quintessential Jets experience. I mean, I think there's good. I I don't know if, if it's twenty years or thirty years. There's gonna come a day when all football stadiums are indoors, and we're gonna be like, yeah. "Why the fuck did we do that for so long?" <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, here, I'm, I'm, yeah, like people are gonna like. I, 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 my freshman year, we played Ohio State, lost fourteen to three. It was the th- here's the thing, right? I don't actually mind snow. Snow is nice, yeah. um, and I don't Still mind nice. forty degree temperature, but freezing rain. <laughs> uh, and it was freezing rain and when it gets into your you just mentioned this when it gets into your feet oh my god yeah. when your feet are fucking cold then it's the worst yeah. it is it the is. worst feeling um it is worse than um, other more sensitive parts of your body being cold that's my hot take for today um and <laughs> it's it's just the worst uh, I've sat through some miserable football games, and the thing is, I've gone to Madison Square Garden in January when it was miserable outside. But once I got inside, I had a beer and I had, um, you know, heating, and it was pretty nice. Yep. So maybe yes. that's, yeah. But um, but I think I think I it's coming right. A lot of the um, a lot of the stadiums I think are going to put it in roofs. It gives a home. It gives an advantage to the home team, and I don't think. For whatever reason, people will still pay three hundred dollars to on Thanksgiving go watch Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ohio State, or go watch the Bills mm-hmm. against the Jets in Buffalo. Um, yeah. which is pretty impressive, but it's gotta happen at some point. But now that we're talking about Buffalo, and I promise everyone will get to basketball very quick. Um, I gotta ask, because I've I've been to upstate New York, I've been to Rochester, I've never actually been to Buffalo. Are the wings all they're cracked up to be? And is there like a place you would actually recommend in Buffalo for wings? For Buffalo wings? So there's two, yeah, I love Buffalo. I lived there um, for a couple different stints. And it's a really, really, really cool city. Um, as far as the wings go, so everyone will tell you one of two places that you have to go to for wings, which is either Anchor Bar, which is the place that purportedly invented them, or this place, Duff's. Um, I prefer Duff's. If you're going to go for the celebrity wing, I do Duff's. Um, Obama's eaten at Duff's. A bunch of like big-time athletes have eaten there. Duff's, they will give you... like You sit down at a table and you order your wings, and they just bring you a... like a, It looks like a cheap little white plastic like cylindrical container. And then they bring you a plate of just like incredible wings. And like you just... It's like you're in fucking the Prancing Pony or something in Lord of the Rings. Like, you just sit there and drink and devour chicken wings, and they're really good, and you just toss the bones in the bucket, and you keep on going. The best pizza, the best chicken wings I ever had in Buffalo, and this, I think, speaks to what makes Buffalo chicken wings so cool. Like, there was literally a bodega around the corner from me on Grant um, in Buffalo, and they had the best chicken wings I've had in my life. And it was just a little, little run of the mill mom and pop bodega that you would never, you might not even notice if you weren't looking. Um, Those are the, the, like you can find little treasures like that um, all over Buffalo. Um, How do you feel about.
Yeah, so, um, you know, but you look at the, the Atlantic Division, besides Toronto, the Canadians are the nice ones, right? Um, every other team's got some controversy, including our beloveds. And um, the first thing I'll talk about is Boston, which has had a tumultuous offseason. The first news that came out was that Robert Williams, who's been a revelation for them, um, mm-hmm. he has gotten better after signing his contract. There is a Nick, who I think there is an analog for that too and save that later for the for later in the show but uh he's actually improved his place and is getting paid which is um maybe something people should take stock of when they like talk about these contracts and like um especially for heavily um you know it, it's um it's something people should take count of but especially with the cap Robert, going up too you know yeah, no, but I mean, I think it, it mostly... Uh, nobody's talking about Tyler Hero suddenly losing motivation. I'll put it like that, right? Mm. Uh, but people mm-hmm. love to talk about Mitchell Robinson doing that. People love right. to talk about Jordan Poole doing that. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, on the Celtics, you have um, Williams, who was really important. You have their coach embroiled in controversy... I mean, it's almost like if they had kept him on and just gone through it, like what happened with Derek Fisher, we could see that. If they had fired him, we could see that. But this limbo of having... Forget the fact that their coach is inexperienced. Um, they've now had created this limbo situation. Is he a lame duck? Is this a tryout? Um, is this a buy time until they get a better coach, right? Um mm-hmm. Is there any chance Ime Udoka comes back? I don't know. Um, he doesn't have a very... And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the Celtics are playing the Nia long game. I mean, the long game. But, um, you know, it's <laughs> just... Um, it looks like a very volatile situation for a team that, by all other respects, is extremely talented. I'd probably freak out less about Rob Williams being out because... Jason, Jason Tatum is 24 years old and he was just the top scorer on a team that made the finals and for as much as his playoff performance his finals performance really left something to be desired um, it's also encouraging because there's so much easy fruit for him to, to pick up so um, I am <laughs> on, on talent you can't hurt them but yes there's a lot of controversy there Um there is Philadelphia, which I think is the most talented team, I would say, in the NBA. The Clippers really? argument? Yeah, I would. Um, I think Harden's dec- decline was overstated. Um, I expect him to be really good next year, and they have Tyrese Maxey. And number two in that category would probably be the Clippers for me. But um, but they're, but I just said James Harden's name, right? guy known for strip clubs and sometimes showing up fat, sometimes showing up skinny, and depending on day, what day of the week it is, right? I mean, like, we've seen 20-pound or what it looks like weight shifts from him, and we've yeah. seen the same level of effort energy shifts, right? We've seen... There's other players who have come to... Dennis Rodman came to camp out of shape, but he'd be in shape when the season started. Um, Harden is a volatile thing, but if he's back to even 75-80% of his peak Combine that with Joel Embiid and a growing Tyrese Maxey, and they still have Tobias Harris. Um, yeah, I think I mean they're they're cutting guys that other NBA teams really want because they're just that deep. 
Um, but Harden is kind of the controversy case. And then Brooklyn, of course, has never had much media attention. So actually, I don't. Do you think Brooklyn could be controversial? <laughs> There's no one on the team who's controversial, right? They don't have like any anti-vaxxers. Anyone? I can't who, even think of. Like, like, they don't want to play. I can't even think of half their stars. Anyone who gets into Twitter fights for no fucking reason. <laughs> anyone who had to leave a team to join a team after he lost three one to them just to get rings. Um, you are taking and, it far back today. Anyone who um, is always hurt coming off an Achilles, anyone who hasn't taken a jump shot in their entire career in the NBA, despite being quote-unquote a point guard, anyone who sat out most of last year and we have no idea when he's actually going to play and got dumped by Maya Jama. Uh, Other than that, there's no real – I mean, there's nothing like that in in Brooklyn, right? Oh, my God. If there is, I don't know. I might change my opinion. But – Assuming none of that stuff is true. Oh, does any of their players believe the, the world is flat? Um, if none of that stuff is true, then yeah, like, why would you think they have controversy? <laughs> Are all their fans hipsters who moved to Brooklyn in the last, like, 18 months? I don't know. If, if that's not true, then yeah, they're, they're a very uncontroversial team. You would have to assume that the Celtics have candidates in mind in case Missoula doesn't seem to have it early on, right? Like, they have to have some contingencies in case that doesn't work out. I just think they've done it so weirdly, though, right? It is. It is weird. I think... They have a contingency in, in place, by the way, and I'll go through that in a second. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally cannot think of a team that has ever had this circumstance in any sport um, where you... Isn't it weird to you, Matt, that like, if it was really as serious as being um, as is being um, as it sounds like, like it sounds like he actually sexually harassed um, you know, a woman he was interested in. We don't know all the facts. I don't want to speak definitively, mm-hmm. but the, what's what's I don't want to say frustrating, but what's tough to reconcile is like, if that's the case, he shouldn't be there anymore. He should be fired. And if it's not the case, a suspension seems harsh, right? So how did it end up with a suspension? It's that in-between thing that is weird to me. So I think this is the first time that I can ever say this in my life. It's very exciting. Um, But I spoke to someone who has much closer of an ear to sports insider stuff than I do and specifically had I trust this person very much and they offered some specifics about what happened that hasn't come out yet and I will tell you that if this person is correct about what happened then it may then like to me, the cell the the treatment hasn't made sense at all until I heard the specific of like what they say happened, and then I was like, oh, yeah, this probably is what you would do then. So well, but that's that's actually what that's still because like it, it seems like a very binary situation, right? Either you were sexually harassing someone, or you just had an affair. If you just had an affair, I don't think that warrants. A year suspension. Um, yeah. If you're sexually harassing someone, 
I think that warrants firing. So, like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to pressure you to give up a source <laughs> or something, but the, the, the idea of what was the situation that would lead to this specific penalty is a little bit, um, yeah, you know, I can't conceive it, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised that they've kept it quiet this long, and I'm surprised that this is the like. It feels like the NBA is usually pretty good about public relations kinds of stuff, and I feel like they just let this from the start sit out there as like, well, that's weird. And and never really came up with a with an endgame for it. Like when when the initial Robert Sarver penalty was announced, um, it didn't feel settled because a lot of people felt like, wow, this isn't even like this doesn't seem like nearly enough. And the NBA responded in a way that tied up the loose end and made the story go away. I'm a little surprised that this. I think they're just hoping like. Hey, the seasonal start and Zion's back and Luca's cool, and we just don't want to talk about this anymore. But I don't see how, you know, the Celtics are one of the handful of teams in the league that are ready to win a title now. They were two wins away a year ago. They're a pretty well known franchise. Like this isn't the story. There, the, not... there are the, the there are two marquee franchises in the NBA, right? And um they're one of them so they're not like a pretty premier franchise they are the yeah. premier franchise yeah there's no getting away from this so i'm surprised at how that's i'm surprised at how that's gone do you so, think so go ahead. go ahead i was gonna ask and i don't want to press you for too much info from what you've heard do you think the suspension is kind of a it's like when you get um you know when do you um gets separated before getting divorced, you know. Yeah. Um you know, it, it's uh is that what this is or do they actually want him to come back? I just my opinion, this isn't what anyone told me, but from what everything I heard, it makes me think that that is strictly a legal um strategy and that this relationship is done. That the re- the only reason he's suspended and not fired, I think, is because they're trying to legally work out. You know, if we fire him, is he going to be able to counter sue? Whereas if we do it this way, does it go easier? I would be shocked if he is coaching the Celtics ever again. And do you think that his offense was not egregious enough? To- okay, and we're getting to, but like, do you think he'll coach again somewhere? I don't. I don't know. So I don't it know. Is, it is very serious. What actually happened? It's for for us for for someone that young and that accomplished after last season to already be in a position where I'm able to to literally like not know if he's going to get a job again. Like, yeah, it's pretty serious. Um, yeah, makes sense. So let me ask you. Um, you pretty much, I think, answered it. I was going to ask you this. But you sound pretty comfortable that you think James Harden can be the second best player on a team that wins the championship. If that on, first on best player is Joel Embiid, yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. I mean, that. I've team. always, I've always thought he can be. I've thought for most of his career he can be the best player on a team, mm-hmm. but on a team that has who I believe is a top three player, yeah, of course. Nice. All right. 
And that specific player, I mean, Chris Paul was great too. Don't get me wrong. I thought Harden was the better player, but that specific player is the perfect compliment, right? Yeah. Yeah. That specific player is maybe not defense player of the year level, but he's a really good rim protector. And when Embiid in the playoffs, like Embiid is an elite defender. Um, Yes. Yeah. And can score from, I mean, he's not, you can't really stop Embiid. There's no one in the NBA who can stop Embiid on offense. No. Uh, um. So, like, I mean, you have to send doubles, right? He, the only thing that ever stops them is, uh, you know, when he's off the. That's that's it. That's literally all that happens to Philadelphia is he has to sit, and they just right? get fucking wrecked. If he like, could play forty eight minutes, they'd be like unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, like the the year that Kawhi and the Raptors won the championship, that series. Yeah. Embiid, when Embiid was on, the Sixers outscored them by 87 points in seven games. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is not to diminish the Raptors. I'm just saying he's a fucking insane player. Like, I don't think people appreciate it. Like, I think a lot of people are like, Giannis is clearing away above Embiid. And I'm like, no. And I think Giannis is amazing. But, like, I think Embiid is still underappreciated a little bit. Um, like Giannis, only- Embiid, Jokic, to me, are the top three players. And... I think that the way it's viewed, like they're all really close to each other, you know. I, I do think Jokic yeah. deserved both his MVPs. Spoiler alert, he's my pick for MVP again. Um, and it's gonna be awesome. But um but I think like people just like people talk about Philadelphia and how stacked they are, but like they don't like no, Embiid is really that dude, you know? <laughs> like he's he good. Is. Yeah, he is. He is he's a monster. Um, on both ends. So Central Division, the land of the Chicago Bulls, Cleveland. Well, you're not going to join me in shit shit talking on on Brooklyn. I thought that was the whole point of that. I think it covered it all. (laughs) 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 So talk about Boston, Brooklyn, and Philly. All right, all right, we're good. And 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 I, I think Toronto will be fun to watch, and and is legitimately either a rim um how to say this. If the Raptors had an elite rim protector and or an elite scoring wing, I would be very, very interested in seeing them against anybody in the East. Um, you don't think Siakam is an elite scoring wing? I, elite is strong, just for scoring. I don't think... No, I don't think... I think he's an elite wing, but he's not an elite scoring wing. Yeah, exactly. He, to me, I'm thinking... I want someone that, like, okay, this person can lead you offensively to you know winning a series in the second round. I don't so I, like Tatum. Yeah. I can't I could like 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 Donovan Mitchell level more. Like I can't see Siakam Siakam scoring leading them past the Bucks. Like I I just don't see that. Um yeah. But speaking of you have in the central the Bucks, uh the Cavaliers, two best teams, Chicago in the middle, and then the Pistons and the Pacers are something else entirely. Um, I'm really into. I'm really, really interested in how Chicago plays this season because Lonzo Ball still has this indeterminate recovery timeline from. I think it's a knee issue. Um, whatever his issue is, he's still not back. It's taken longer and longer than they thought it would. They thought he was going to be back at some point last season. He ended up missing that whole year. 
he's still not ready for the start of this season. Um, I think that sucks as a fan just because they're a much more interesting team when they have him and Caruso together. But I'm I'm really excited because they have Caruso back, and I'm really, really excited to see um, Patrick Williams this season and what he's able to do for them because any I think any leveling up that they're going to take as a team right now other than getting ball back is going to come from Patrick Williams, like improving. And I think, I think he could, I think he could be really interesting. I think he could be the difference between the bulls being a team that really does have a shot at getting to the second round and a team that is more in the Nick atmosphere of like, hopefully you can host a play in game. What do you think? Well, I think there's one team that, the Bulls weren't better than last year, and they finished ahead of them. And they ain't better than this year, and they're not finishing ahead of us either. Um, the Knicks finished with a better net rating than the Bulls. The Bulls won nine more games. Part of that was yes, the Bulls have two very effective isolation scorers in Demar Derozan and Zach Levine, and that matters but the Knicks have a pretty good one too. And I think without Lonzo, I think that defense is going to fall apart. I mean, they're hyping up Io to someone starting at point guard. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I'm a Pat Williams believer, but man, like what Caruso and Lonzo did for that defense. And I, I am a Chicago Bulls hater. I'm a nineties kid who was a Knicks fan. What else do you want from me? Um, <laughs> but I actually really appreciated what they did because I spent all offseason last year when people were hyping up the Bulls and their offensive talent. I was like, yeah, but they don't have rim protection. <clears throat> and you're not shoring that up just with Caruso and Lonzo. And they proved me wrong. I loved yeah. that experiment. They said, we're not going to have a rim protector. We got Vucevic. We have two poor defenders in Levine and DeRozan. But we got two awesome ones in Lonzo and Caruso, and they might be undersized, but we can play Lonzo with the four. Lon I mean, we've we've seen it even play in the Knicks, right? Like before Randall's kind of implosion, Lonzo did a really good job on him mm -hmm. in a game where otherwise he had a lot of success. Um, mm -hmm. They and they, I love, I, I just love teams going against the grain, and we can talk about Cleveland in a second because they're doing that in a way of their own. Um, but without Lonzo. I don't know that Io is on that level. I don't know that DeRozan can replicate what he did last year. If he does and proves me wrong, all the better. It's not something I would bet on. Um, and I think they're a team that probably will have less luck in close games. And um, I I've said this the whole offseason. I think the Knicks were finished 11th. I think there's two teams that are going to pass. One is Charlotte because... Um, a lot of off-season troubles. Obviously, Miles Bridges today just came out. I mean, he wasn't a key player for them, but James Booknight, their lottery pick from last year, um, apparently has um, been pulled over a bunch of times for, for driving one on the influence. Um, but... Um, Lamelo's not going to be ready for the start of the season either. Yeah. Because of like a mean, high ankle sprain, maybe? Yeah, I mean... Um, I think the Knicks have specifically drafted players that seem to be very, like, like quickly is the most Christian dude ever. RJ Barrett <laughs> just lives in the gym. Like, right. Obi is, like, 
Um, Obi's just like like the fun guy in class. Like I can never I can never imagine Obi just being like and maybe maybe I'd be proven wrong, but like I can never imagine Obi being like a quote unquote troublemaker. I just no. use the word troublemaker. I really am getting old. Um I'm only thirty three guys, don't worry. But um, <laughs> maybe I'm older at heart now at this point. But um but yeah, like they've seemed to seek that out. But like, yeah, like you look at a team like Charlotte and they have had a lot of issues. Um, and some of their younger players were very talented. Um, and that obviously doesn't include LaMelo. It's just, um, I mean, he got hurt. But the Knicks are better than the Hornets at this point. Um, and um, I think they're better than the Bulls. I think the Bulls got worse, and I think the Knicks got better. And and, and we played them well last year. And, um, and we had the same net rating as them. Like, they're really susceptible. I think... I don't think they have an answer for a guy like Jalen Brunson. Um, they did not have an answer for Julius Randle last year. Um, and they don't really have an answer for RJ Barrett. And they never have an answer for our bench. So. Does Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland change their upside to where it's any farther than it would have been without him? Like, if the Cavs were healthy and had not traded for Donovan Mitchell, I could see them getting to the second round and then losing. Do you see right now Cleveland as a team? Because I feel like they made a – it's not just, oh, they added Donovan Mitchell, great. It's a major shift in their approach to go from, you know, marketing at the three and – um Yeah. It was a core and, – and now – you know, it's it's a major major change in their style of play. Um, do you do you feel like for what they gave up to get Mitchell, this is a team that could get to the conference finals that could beat Boston or Milwaukee or someone like that in the second round? They have the player who eventually is a good bet to. Um, to neutralize Giannis or, or be able to stand up to him in that way. Yeah. And of course I'm talking about, um, um, uh, Dean Wade. <laughs> um, no, I'm talking about In the Travis Ware school of stoppers. Um, I think, I think that move for Donovan Mitchell, everyone talks about Garland and he's a really good player. That move had to do, with Evan Mobley, they have a generational prospect. They have a really good point guard prospect. I'm not like uh, um, Darius Garland made an All Star game. Great player. They have a generational prospect, and they got to pair him with an with an All NBA level point guard. He hasn't made it yet, but he's on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think this is the year yet. I've argued with this with Schwinney on the on, on my other pod a lot. And I think he makes good points. One, in the playoffs, what they're betting on is this. Garland and um, Mitchell, just like we feared that Brunson and Mitchell would be, is not a good defensive backcourt. Right. They don't really have an answer at wing. Like Lowry's not playing the three anymore. The answer is Okoro, not a reliable shooter, um, a pretty good defender, but more of a perimeter defender than like that 
long switch. Like he he has a shorter wingspan and yeah, yeah. he's smaller than RJ. You know, and RJ is like good size for it. Like RJ can play the three, yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't have great size for the three, right? Um, and so um, so they're in this position where um, they have a hole on a pretty important position, but they're really betting that Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together can shore up any of the defensive weaknesses. It's like Chicago, right? Like we have some defensive players in key places. It doesn't matter that like we're playing a couple of bad defenders together. I'm not sure it quite cuts that way. I think for that to work, I think Evan Mobley has to become the kind of shooter, which I think he's two years away from being. I think the guy can shoot. Um, he certainly shoots really well against the Knicks, <laughs> but uh, but he still finished like I think twenty eight percent from three last year. He's probably a year away from that happening. You're probably going to have some spacing issues with Jared Allen, and I don't think that's going to matter against a team like the Knicks. Like I think they're still they're good. I mean, I it's it's tough for me to see us beating them in a seven game series, but against a team like Milwaukee, yeah, uh, Milwaukee has the defenders to make life tough on those guards. Um. And I don't think Mobley and Allen together are at the level where they could really neutralize Giannis. Um, I think Cleveland can win like two, maybe even three games against them. I'm still picking Milwaukee in a series over them. And um, as good as Jared Allen is, they don't have an answer for Embiid. Like, that's just a fact. Jared Allen's a really good defender, but he's not stopping Joel Embiid. And um, and their perimeter defender sure as hell aren't starting James Hart- stopping James Harden. So... Uh, I think I have them. I'm not sure what to do with Boston, but tentatively, I think I have Cleveland finishing third. I think they'll look better in the uh-huh. regular season than they would be as a playoff contender because, yeah, like there's going to be nights where they put up 140, like multiple nights because Garland and Mitchell and like two lob threats who are pretty versatile centers, like they're going to put up a lot of points. Uh, Rubio is like a great piece off the bench for them too. Yeah, I like um, that. I like that for them. But when the, when it bogs down in the in the postseason and teams can throw some size at Mitchell and Garland, they're not there yet. Um, I think what's going to take them, quote unquote, there is either adding a wing or Mobley. Like actually, I think Mobley can beat Tim Duncan, but he's not there yet, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sooner he gets to that level, um, you know, that's that's I think. And then if they still have Mitchell and Garland in their prime, that's where I'm like, okay, really interested. I guess see that. And if I, if, you know, if two weeks in the season, I'm seeing Mobley just being a monster, I might revise my expectation on this team. I want to see what Evan Mobley I'm getting. If it's just incremental growth, there's, they're going to be a, a great team, probably a top four seed. If it's an explosion, then that changes everything. Yeah. I think that they're going to hammer bad teams. Um, and struggle more against some of the better ones, and, and probably see that in the playoffs too. If we go southeast, um, I don't know how much I think. I don't know how much I think Dejounte Murray can improve Atlanta, like because I really I don't know what to make of Atlanta, like Atlanta. We all saw two years ago, team goes on a run, gets to the conference finals, is two wins away from the NBA finals, has 
an all NBA, you know, offensive fulcrum. They've got a great defensive center. They've got a great young defensive center. They've got some wings with size. Um, it's a very exciting team. And now they add. Notice you didn't mention their point guard. <laughs> well, uh, he was the fulcrum, I meant. Um, but they add an all star point guard, a guy who is supposed to be a very great defensive point guard. He is a. Uh, doesn't average a triple double, but like is is someone who's up in that range, around like twenty, and then I think like eight or nine and seven or I don't know, I don't know if Murray was quite that high as a rebounder, but you normally you think, oh, okay, we have added a two way all star guard to our team full of great youngsters. This will let Trey start to work off ball more. This will spare him some ball handling responsibilities. It spares him having to be the guy who's who's going up against their, their, you know, in a, in a series, you know, now you can hide him much more on, on defense because you've got DeJounte Murray there. But kind of like similarly with Cleveland, I don't know, I don't know what to make of Atlanta's ultimate upside because I don't know how to make from two years ago, they look like, oh God, like this team is here, they come. And then last year, eh, no. Where where do the Hawks fit into the East for you? They're the eighth seed. Um, I still have them over the Knicks. Um, though I'm starting, I'm starting to reconsider that. Here's the thing: I I went from that series thinking we should win it to realizing that we lost in five games to realizing that a lot of those games are pretty close. And as much as was made about Trey Young. Their offense as a whole didn't blow us out of the water. Um, you know, like they were mostly in the low 100s every game. So they had success and they obviously had more success than we did on offense. But um, it's like um, I, I, I'm still going to put them ahead of us. But am I putting them over Toronto? No, this doesn't put them over Toronto for me. Uh, right. They're betting on DeAndre. I mean, there's they have upside, right? They're betting on DeAndre Herder. Uh, DeAndre Herder. <laughs> yeah, let's call them that. That's an interesting player. <laughs> DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herder. Kevin Hunter. <laughs> um, as wings on this team, right? Uh, they're betting on um, those guys to be versatile. Uh, and I think what they're also betting on is that when Trey goes to the bench, they can continue to win. But when I looked at their split stats, it's pretty surprising. I thought this would be a much bigger gap, but over the last two years, they have a plus 3.68 net rating with Trey Young on the floor, minus 1.5 with him off the floor. Hmm. And a big part of that is that they're five points worse on defense. They are a full 10 points better on offense. So both of those things check out, but... um. You know, maybe you get some of the the best of both worlds, right? When Trey goes off the floor, your offense doesn't tank, and you still get some of the same defensive benefits. That's what that's what I mean. It's the same thing that the Rockets did with James Harden and Chris Paul, right? It's not. It's right. almost. I wouldn't say it's less about them being on the floor together, but it's also like, yeah, you have forty eight minutes of elite guard play. Yeah, Do I think Jonte yeah. Murray's an elite guard? He had a fifty-one percent true shooting percentage, but he also averaged near a triple, triple double. So it it kind of your mileage may vary there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's an underrated off-ball player. I think his defense will help. But I still think against a team like us, like, who is Trey going to hide on? Like, Trey can't guard Evan Fournier. Um, uh, n- neither of our starting backcourt can guard Trey either, but uh, he can't hide on a lot of these teams, right? And Atlanta's managed against it, but, um, you know, it, that's what's going to be concerning. So do I, I don't think it makes them a contender. Like, them adding, them adding, um, DeJounte Murray is not the same as Cleveland adding Donovan Mitchell. A, because Donovan Mitchell is better than DeJounte Murray. And B, because I would take Mobley Garland as the supplementary piece of that over Trey even. Um, and which is yeah. bold because Trey is, I think Trey is a borderline top 10 player, but I, I think Mobley is going to be awesome. And I think um, Garland's pretty good and they have Jared Allen, so... Like that was that was a pretty good team for for Mitchell to go to, but um, yeah, I'm definitely curious to your thoughts on Atlanta. So definitely been a thorn on our side the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. Although no, not we we've won the season the regular season series both years. It's just it's just the elephant in the room, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's go to the west. Let's go to the southwest. Um. Which in the past was, you know, the Texas teams, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Texas teams, not where they used to be. Um, I do a over-under bet with a friend of mine every year where we both take like 15 over-under bets. And Spurs had the lowest expected win total, and I took them under. Um, I don't I don't expect much from them. I don't expect much from Houston, nor do those teams expect much of themselves. I'm really curious about um, the other three. Um, Memphis, because I feel like Vegas is pretty smart about things and and can't predict the playoffs. But I've been very surprised on over-unders and seeing people talking preseason basketball. It's almost as if... I hate when people say almost because they just say it's as, it's as if Memphis didn't do what they did last year. I keep reading about Denver and Dallas and the Clippers and the Warriors, of course, and the Sun. And, and I feel like it's odd to me that a team this young led by, I know Jaron Jackson, I think is, is he out for like a, for, is yeah. he out for months or am I thinking of a different season? Um, he is out for a good amount of time. I also think there's some there's some uncertainty to it, but when it's a big with an injury, that's always mm-hmm. um, like it's a big. He's a big with a foot injury. So yeah. Oh, okay. That what it is. There, like that's, but you know, people are going to be conservative there. And he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. in my opinion, he is their. No, I don't think he's their best player. I think Bain's their best player. I think he's their second best player, and he's very important and if you notice that i did not say another player instead of those two uh that was not a mistake but yeah do 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 elaborate yeah and you look at their record without john morant last year they lost like two games um they're an awesome team without john morant um they had like jaron jackson i'll say this this was wrong at the time but it wasn't a 
Well, it wasn't because Jaron Jackson isn't good. The draft where Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton and all those guys were in the draft, I had Jaron yeah. Jackson number one. Yeah. I, Jaron Jackson was my top prospect. He went number four. Yeah. And um, I I probably still take him over Aiton. I'd probably take him over in that in that draft over everyone besides Luca, Trey, and probably SGA. Um, but mm. like a guy who can block shots, switch on defense, and hit threes, and he can body a guy and get a bucket, like he's really good. Like he's like I mean, he looks like this generation's Andre Kirilenko, to be honest. Hey, um interesting. But um, you know, going back to I, I, I to going back to Memphis, uh, I do think Ja is a great player, but Desmond Bain, I think, is still underrated. Like he's first of all, he's not like I love Quinn Grimes, but people who compare Quinn Grimes to Desmond Bain, it's like Desmond Bain is a fucking tank, and he can get to the rim, he can pass. Um, he is also an elite shooter. Like, yeah, that guy's on a different level. Like, you have good shoot. Like, Evan Forney is a great shooter. Yeah, Bain is on a different level from him. Yeah, uh, Evan Forney is the best shooter in the Knicks, and and Bain's like Bain is the kind of guy where you're like, okay, I don't want to get crazy, but if I'm going to give someone a Clay Thompson comp, it's him. It's Buddy Heald, right? Like, there's like a handful of guys who can say those kind of things about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he can do all this other stuff. Um, Dylan Brooks is a little hit or miss for me, but you know, they have Brandon Clark, they have, they have all these guys that to me is more like John Morant, you know, provides a spark. He can get them a bucket. He's very important, but it's really, it's the team for me. Um, I think they're, um, but that said, the reason why some of the teams that were mentioned, um, the Clippers made the playoffs, I believe last year. Or the play in? No, they lost in the. Right. They lost but, in the play in. But they made that without um, Kawhi. Yeah. Without their two the Kawhi or PG. Yeah, he was and, out at the end. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think they have a top three coach. I would put him there with Spolstra and Popovich and Tyloo. So that's why they're jumping. Um, you know, you have. I don't know why da- I think Dallas is going to take a step back, even though I think Luca is that good. Just yeah. I do think Brunson's going to hurt a lot for them. I don't trust any of their playmaking and their nature of playing hurts. And then you have Golden State. I could see Memphis jumping Golden State because I think the pool Draymond thing could be more uh, problematic than initially thought. But even if it wasn't. Clay and Draymond look washed in that run. I'm just gonna say that. Like Steph is still insane. I gotta give Clay another year though. That was his first year off of um, the ACL. Like, yeah, but what he's guys always 30, look better in year two off of that. When they're 34, 30. Oh, he's, he's is he 30? He's, he's not 34. Is he? How old is Clay younger Thompson? Than me. Dude, I'm fucking old. <laughs> um, He's 32. He's apparently about five months. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give him another year and see how he looks. But I, I it's uh, the point still stands. Memphis played them tough last year, and certainly, you know, do you think Draymond's is, is, washed? No, I don't think he's washed. But I think once he's outside of that system, his value goes down a lot more. 
Yeah, I just I, it's tough for me. It's it's Draymond and Clay to me are are kind of like the Horford proposition. Where I think that's a fair point, and maybe I should. But I, I was not impressed with Clay last year in the playoffs at all. Uh, yeah, I really he, yeah. Think they would lose to Boston because of that. Because I specifically thought they don't have the Clay Thompson that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, but and then Denver. I'll, uh, Denver is the one team where I was like, yeah, but there's a reason. Jamal Murray is really underrated, and um, and I think last year was their first year with Aaron Gordon. I think. No, he was um, there. Well, first full season, I think, yeah. Yes, first full season with Aaron Gordon was last year. And I, I still think they have the best player in the Western Conference. Um, with all the apologies to Luka. Um, okay, I will say for a one-game sample, he LeBron is still probably the best, but they're not going to mm. make the playoffs. Um, mm. not that, all right, that's, if that's a hot take, <laughs> but that, the Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers have the second best player of all time and are not going to make the playoffs. That's something you probably never thought you would hear. Yeah. But that's going to happen again. Wow. Um, and But, but I think Murray is going to be awesome. I think another year with Gordon, I think that's a really good front court. And keep an eye. I think my pick for sixth man of the year is going to come out of Denver. So This is a bonus. Um, a bonus Highland yeah. prediction. Yeah. Um, but getting back to Memphis, um, yeah, I think it's an exciting team. Um, I think they'll they'll be in that. They'll probably finish in the top four. There are the Knicks opening night. I think the Knicks actually match up pretty well with them. But they're the kind of team that has given the Knicks trouble, and um, I'm interested to see how it shakes out. I really wish Ob and Grimes weren't like in danger of missing that game. Yeah, I mean. For those who are Cam Reddish fans, it, it, it gives you another <laughs> shot. It's Cam Reddish season. Uh, but you're right. Like Grimes really was like if you look at the Knicks' most frustrating games last year, they were against. There was a blowout against New Orleans. There was a blowout against Minnesota. There's blowout against Charlotte. Um, they seem to struggle against teams with athleticism and yep. youth. Absolutely. Miles Bridges destroyed the Knicks last year. Yeah, and um, that's not even a Julius thing. It's just like he's getting down court. Um, Mm -hmm. New Orleans as a whole, I mean, Jose Alvarado obviously was great, but um, Grimes was a noticeable difference maker there. And Obi's defense is, I'm still probably underrating it, but it's also like he can counter them on the other end. Like, you want to push up the floor, that's fine. But I'm gonna run back too, and um, you know I'm, I'm catching passes over everyone. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's kind of where I'm at there. So, looking at the Northwest Division, are are you as excited about the Timberwolves as I am? I don't know what their ultimate ceiling is as far as the postseason. Like, I don't. Could the Timberwolves be in the conference finals? I don't know. Like, maybe, but. I'm just really interested in seeing them try what they're doing because I cannot think of a Twin Towers experiment that any team has ever done that I've seen where one of the bigs happens to be an elite three-point shooter um, and the other one is an elite screen setter. You know, like... 
when you talk Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson, or you're talking Patrick Ewing and Bill Cartwright, like those are more yeah, like redundancies. I love, I, by the way, I love that you mentioned Bill Cartwright and Patrick Ewing and not the team that uh, not Tim Duncan and David Robinson. That's uh, well. true. <laughs> you know, you know I, 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 got, I, I have a story that I hope everyone will find funny. I was 9 or 10 years old, and I have an uncle who, who went to school in Oklahoma and is a, was a Spurs fan. And um, I know that makes less sense. But at the time, Oklahoma didn't have a team. There was a team called the Seattle Supersonics for our younger <laughs> listeners. Um, but he was a Spurs fan. That was a miracle run. And Larry Johnson hit the, you know, had the uh-huh. four-pen play. And we were in the finals. And he was like, the Suns are going to – and we were like, who are, they, who are you going to pick? And I was like, Knicks in seven. And he's like, nah, Spurs in four. And I was like, why? And he was like, they have two. They have David Robinson, and Tim Duncan. Like, who's guarding both of them? It's like we have um, we have Camby. He was like, all right, who else? And I was like, <laughs> LJ, Larry Johnson's gonna guard Tim Duncan. Chris Dudley, watch baby. Larry Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I I have to say that was just I was nine years old, and that was a hundred percent serious argument. I was okay. like, Larry Johnson can shut down Tim Duncan. Yeah, and um, yeah. actually, I would have loved to see Prime Larry Johnson against Tim Duncan. That would have been fun. I, yeah. I don't think he's put him down, but uh, Prime Larry Johnson was that kind of player. Um, a lot of people have compared compared Zion to him, actually. Um, but hmm. um, but yeah, that was a, that was a tangent. But that was the kind of homer I was when I when I first became a fan. So maybe I haven't come that far. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this division is kind. of... I don't know if the anti-tanking measures, you know, tanking is an energy, it's a vibe, and like you can't create or destroy. Um, <laughs> so I think it just evolves. And the Thunder and the Jazz, I find no less shameless than what, uh, maybe the Hinky Sixers are the extreme example, but I don't see anything more noble about what OKC or Utah are doing this season. And the Thunder, and I know this as someone who's bet on them the last couple of years to finish over and been fucked each time when they haven't, the Thunder have become villains to me. And I don't know how they get away with it. I guess there's nobody cares about them as a franchise. They, for months last year, just completely gave up. Like, oh, Alexander, you was just Alexander. Uh yeah, he doesn't feel good. He's gonna miss the rest of the Funnily season. Funnily enough, you know the one team they didn't give up against, and won both games against the Lakers. <laughs> they killed the. That was hilarious. That was amazing. The, the Lakers are the second biz, biggest city in America. Yep. They also won both their games against the largest city in America, the Knicks. Yes, including. Oh, America. I forgot. Oh yep. God. Oh God! Well, to be f- I think Alexander was great in one of those games. I think they played well. Whatever. Um, I can't. I can't defend <laughs> losing twice to the Thunder one way or the other. But with both um, second half leads, this and it was in the middle of that stretch with uh, you know, three and seventeen. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, my computer is okay. I got about fifteen minutes of juice left, so let's hop to the Pacific um, where I'm just going to say is, and even though they're the least interesting team to me in the division, 
I am going to start with Sacramento just because I want it out there that I always feel as a Nick fan, a kind of camaraderie with Sacramento King fans. I think they're in a lot of ways, the Knicks of the West coast. And for that reason, you know what? Like, it's like if, if what they really, really want is just to get in the play in tournament and to them that that snaps their postseason list drought. I'm all here for that. Like, I want Sacramento at the end of this season to feel good about something. If it's losing in the play-in, great. Um, I'm just putting my heart out there. I am my Western Conference team this year, besides Minnesota, is going to be Sacramento. You are now free to talk about any of the actually interesting teams in the Pacific Division. All of them. I mean, I I would say Sacramento is interesting. There's a few interesting things. Um, they have Davion Mitchell, who was a pretty good, a great point of attack defender who showed some downhill capability. What does he do in year two? Darren Fox is always a young player that has seemed a step away from really reaching his potential, but went on. He's got blazing speed um, and passing ability, uh, but he hasn't put it together. But Finished off the year strong, which was in no part unrelated to them adding DeMontis Savonis. And the last yeah. thing I'll say is, um, you know, they drafted Keegan Murray. Um, we yeah. talked with um, with the Daily Savonis. I don't think we actually put this pot out, but we talked about him. We talked with the Daily Savonis about drafting Keegan Murray, and he he I think he had said that he wanted Jaden Ivy, but he was like. You know, yeah. I have had to tell Kings fans if we draft Keegan Murray, you shouldn't be shitting on this dude. Like he's awesome, and it reminds me a little bit of Obi. Like Obi, we took over Tyrese Maxey. I mean, Tyrese Maxey went way later, way later. So this is not a hindsight yeah, thing, right. but like, yeah, I probably would have preferred Tyrese Maxey at that pick, or maybe Tyrese Halliburton at the time. I, I wanted, um, I wanted Kira Lewis or Devin Vassell. Um, only one of those. I was high on Kira Lewis. I love Kira Lewis. Yeah. Um, Devin Vassell, I think, still could be better than Obi Toppin. He's pretty solid. They're probably a similar level player. But we took Obi over. Tyrese Maxey is like the guy, I think, who's been the best of the guys we passed on. I think he's way better than Tyrese Halliburton, for those who don't agree. I also think mm. he's better than Halliburton, but that's going to be a little bit hotter of a take. But um, we took him, and... Um, but he still turned out to be a good player. I think Keegan Murray could be like that. I think he's a little bit better of a prospect than Obi was, uh, especially on defense. And he's just a more reliable three-point shooter. But I think like I think Ivy is gonna be a superstar. Like I really think he's gonna be good. Um, there's nothing I saw in preseason that makes me change that. And I think Keegan is gonna be a very good player. But it'd be like I think Keegan is gonna be something like he's not the same type of game. But I think he's going to be an Al Horford type of player. Just like a guy who you're like, he feels like an all-star. Some years he is like one of those top 25 players. And I think Ivy is going to be better than that. So like, can you complain about a pick like that? I don't know. I don't think so. I think Kings fans are going to be happy with um, Murray, even though they pass on Ivy. And those situations are always interesting. Look, I mean, the greatest player of all time went number three. And the team that picked number one doesn't get criticized for that because the guy they took happened to end up top 10 himself, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
As far as the rest of the Pacific Division, um, I'm interested. I, the Lakers are pretty interesting to me. Um, they added a couple of interesting guards and Lonnie Walker. Uh, they drafted Max Christie, who like they. This is a team that's desperately in need of three and D players. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of guys. They had guys like Malik Monk, who are excellent scorers. They could play next to LeBron and Feast. They had a guy like Austin Reeves, um, who was a terrific defender. They had very few two-way players. I'm not even going to touch the Russell Westbrook situation. I think that'll figure it itself out if they can add these guys. But they need guys to emerge as two-way players who are reliable in offense, can shoot high 30s from three, play off LeBron, and defend and switch and be good to team defenders on defense. Lonnie Walker was not that in San Antonio, but uh, the early returns in preseason have been good. And um, Max Christie could fit that. Austin Reeves was very promising as a rookie. Yeah, he was. It wouldn't surprise me to to see this team get into the the playoffs as like a, a lower seed. And I don't think anybody wants to face LeBron in the first round. You know. No, my only the reason I'm down on like I can see, especially the combination of motivated LeBron plus a lot of like young players on their second contracts. Like I could see the Lakers actually surprising people and playing well, especially if Anthony Davis at all returns to being something like Anthony Davis. I just think they have still like last year, like absolutely no depth. Like there's no way that you can count. And they they would need LeBron to play at least, I would guess like 75 games. They need Anthony Davis to play 70 games. And I think right from there, I would take the under on both of those. Um, if they, you're right. I think if they, if they got, I think for them, it's all about get to April healthy. If they get to the play in and LeBron is healthy and AD is healthy, that's probably enough right there. Where like, they got a good shot to get in. And like you said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Denver. And in the first round, I get the Lakers when I'm like the two seed and they're the seven, like, even Golden State, I assume, if Golden State finished first and the Lakers were eighth, I would obviously expect Golden State to win, but I wouldn't expect the Warriors to feel like, "Ooh, we dodged a bullet with this one." Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know who guards LeBron on the Lakers anymore. I I don't I don't have faith in Draymond Green anymore. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying, and I don't think Wiggins, as much as he's improved, and he's a really good player really good defender it's lebron james mm-hmm. like you get that guy in a playoff series there's nobody who's gonna be happy no. about that he's a cheat code is a whole other thing so can you, you get to the play-in and the west is does lack depth i think they can do it yeah. i think they can but again i think like for them it's going to come down so much to health and timing of injuries um do you still feel like Anthony Davis can turn things around, or do you feel like we've always talked about like if he's ever healthy, like we know how great he'll be, and he hasn't been healthy, and I'm guessing why his shooting that's why his shooting has fallen off a cliff since the bubble, but are you still an Anthony Davis believer? I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I have no idea like yeah. i I think that the bubble was probably an anomalous mid-range shooting performance, but I do think he's like, like when healthy, he's a game-changing defensive player. Yes, and um, 
I mean, a lineup with him at the five and LeBron at the four, you could put Miu and Schwinn out there at one, two, three. They're gonna they're gonna score a lot of points, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably defend pretty well. So, um, well, not the three of us, but that is a front court that's set up for defensive success. So I I don't. Um, it's all his health, and I'm no medical expert. So, I mean, I do know that 6'11 guys who are aging and have had foot problems and injuries in the past, that's not a great sign, but we don't really know, right? So, yeah. Last question for you. Assuming they don't make a massive trade of some kind, do you think Phoenix's window has closed, or can the Suns this year? still have a shot at winning the title. The Suns could definitely have a shot at winning the title. How do you survive the turmoil they've gone through, right? Um, Jay Crowder wants out. Their owner is suspended and selling the team, which the Clippers... Aiden probably wishes he could get out if he could. Yeah, Aiden doesn't seem super competitive. Um, Their best player is Devin Booker. Their second best player... um, I mean, if we're worried about... Can Anthony Davis come back to what he was? What are we talking about with Chris Paul? I am mm. like, there are other people who say, you know, them just dying in the playoffs is a sign of Chris Paul's just aging. I'm not going to go that far. Um, he had a couple off games, but um, mm. it is a ticking clock, right? Um, and I don't think Devin Booker is that, like, I don't think Devin Booker is as good as Jason Tatum. No, uh, no, no, no. I mean, I don't think it's, as far off as your voice sounded, I don't. I think it's more like one of them is ninth and one of them is like thirteenth. But um, I'm a little bit down on the Suns. I I don't think they get out this year. Yeah, that that energy seems to have changed very quickly around them for obvious reasons. Um, it's not. I I, just, I I said yeah 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 about Tatum because to me, um, if all things are somewhat comparable. And one guy is like six eleven, and the other one is like six five. Like I'm going to take the six eleven guy almost always. Um, not to, I've I've, I've always liked Evan Booker. Um, That's what I everyone just, says on Tinder too. You got a six eleven guy and a six five guy. I'm taking the six five, the six eleven guy. Well, on Tinder is for I, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go before I make any Tinder joke, <laughs> especially about height. Um, so, that is going to be all for this episode of the Believe Nicks podcast. Oh, here's your last little trivia. Stacy. this was our 47th episode. No Nick has ever worn the number 47. No Nick has ever worn the number 48. One Nick that you have watched play for this team did wear the number 49. Any ideas who it could be? And while he he ponders that, please let me remind everybody that um, the show is presented by BetOnline. Go ahead. Is that a white guy? No. Yeah. Kurt Thomas wore 40. Kurt was 40. For some reason, this number, I think because it's the product of of a square, like, I have never, ever forgotten this dude, even though he's a not a crazy memorable player. Now I feel uh, Archie Barrett's product of a square. Yes. Those guys stick with you for some reason. but So is Rose and um, 
I guess Eddie House. Um, <laughs> but she 49. Was, yeah. I can go through all of them. I can't think it was 64. Um, <laughs> it's not Kurt Thomas. It's, there's like, it's not a white guy that, that's. It's not a white guy. It was a guard. 49 at guard? Very good in transition. Had absolutely no jump shot. Um, Was amazing in transition and equally bad pulling up for a J. That describes a lot of Knicks cards. <laughs> Alfred this was, a, was number six. This was a Scott Layden import. It wasn't Sergio Rod. No, he's, he's white. Um, can't be doo doo. Is it Chris Duhon? It is not. It was like zero before before Duhon's time. This is more like oh two oh three Knicks. Shandon Anderson. Shandon Anderson. Yes. Wow, I did not remember that he was forty nine. I remember I heard heard of Shannon Anderson. On the Jazz, he was a good. He was a nice bench player for them, and he and played in the finals. So when the Knicks got him, I was like, "Oh, we got this guy who was playing against Jordan and the Bulls." And they brought him and Howard Isley in at the same time. Yep, yeah. Um, and both Howard, <laughs> I have never seen an NBA guard who was worse at running a fast break than Howard Isley. And Shannon Anderson was incredible because once a year. Shannon Anderson would come down on a three-on-one and absolutely yam it in somebody's face. And he wasn't a huge guard, um, but he had hops. And he would just, he was a one-foot, one-hand dunker. He would yam it on people once a year. You always get so excited by that. And then, But the other 81 games, Shannon, Shannon could play some defense. I'll leave it on a positive. Shannon could play some defense. Shannon, um, Shannon Anderson could play some defense. Do you know what Howard Isley is doing now? I have no idea what Howard Isley is doing now. I'm assuming he's still botching fast breaks. He coaches guards for Juwan Howard at the University does. of Does. <laughs> All right, let me know how your team looks this year in transition. I'll be very interested <laughs> to see how that's gone. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's it for everyone for now. Uh, maybe you will hear from us after the season opener, which remember is Wednesday night against Memphis and Stacy's most overrated John Morant. We will talk to you all later. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.